You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. It didn't hurt. I mean, um, it didn't hurt in that sense because um, it's things that I think about regularly anyway, like my dad and brother. And it definitely, I wouldn't say it completely healed me, but it definitely helped to go through that experience, I think. And I, I think it just really made for performances because I was actually, you know, really feeling these things. And I, it was good for me. I, I don't know if I'd recommend it for everyone. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Talamita and Evergreen Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. This Vox and Hops episode is presented by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal are Montreal's premier metal promoter. They put on a bunch of killer gigs all year long. Coming up in the next week, they have In Flames in town. They also have one of the biggest metal bands in the world. Ghost is in Montreal. And they also have Airborne coming up. If you would like to pick up some tickets to these events, you can head on over to heavymontreal.com via the link in the description of this podcast. I am beyond stoked to have Heavy Montreal behind the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I would just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I would love for you to rate it or write a review for the podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. Wherever you listen to Vox and Hops, you can go and write a review and or rate the podcast. Now, why do I want you to do this? Well, you have to imagine that when someone is looking for a new podcast to listen to, what do they do? They scroll down, they look at the ratings, they read the reviews, and if those reviews are super favorable and let them know that I'm a killer host, that I have awesome guests, and that the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast just simply rules well they may just give that podcast a chance so by you rating the podcast and or even better writing a review you may actually sway someone's decision to become a brand new vox and hops head and that would be something that i would truly appreciate now today on the podcast i'm super stoked to be with jason roberts of breaths get ready everyone this is vox and hops episode number 364 i warn you what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today, I'm joined by Jason Roberts of Breaths. Jason, how you doing? Doing great. Thank you so, you so much. I'm great. I'm great. I'm hanging out, drinking beer on the internet with my metal friends. I love it. I love it. I love it. Let's jump into uh, the shittiest question, the question that I love to start these off with, as we all sort of do nowadays. Uh, how did you cope with the glorious years, plural, of 2020, 2021, and uh, hopefully not the rest of 2022? Uh, how have you been uh, doing in these wonderful, wonderful times that we're living in? Um, that's why breasts exist and uh, family. Yeah. Just my, my my kids. But yeah, breath was a product of all of this. I think that's super interesting. I, I love that. And I'm definitely going to dig deeper into that later on. But let's first just... I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty, so let's let's get to it. <laughs> Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends, talking about their lives, music, and craft beer. Uh, what beer uh, or what drink do you have, actually, that will we be sharing virtually? What do you have on your side there? I have a Bold Rock hard cider it's a watermelon seasonal i don't know labels Ooh. not showing up but i like the watermelon hell yes 
There needs to be more watermelon. I, I, don't, I don't think there's many. Maybe there's like gozas or something in beer that that watermelon works. But I, I, I don't, there's not many watermelon adjunct beers going on out there. So a cider. Yeah. Are you more of a cider person? Is that why you're? Yeah, I always wanted to love beer, but I just never got into it. That <laughs> blasphemy, I know. You're but... you're you're in a beer mecca. As I well. know, Richmond's crazy. I know. I've interviewed a bunch of people, and I've heard all about it, especially from Kim Dilla, who was once Volvatron in another life for Guar, uh, the members of Guar, obviously, too. Uh, love the beer. Love the Richmond scene. I can't wait to get back there. On my side, I am drinking something a little different. Uh, I got a gift uh, from Mondial de la Biaille, which is the World Beer Festival here in Montreal. Uh, I've been hosting some stuff which I was literally doing an hour ago before I sat down here. Uh, this is uh, a gift that I got from them. It's from Stone Corral. Uh, it is uh, a black lager, and they call it their black beer. And I think it's basically their flagship uh, from what I've seen on the line. And uh, I really like it, so, <laughs> so which is why I chose it. Uh, Stone Corral is located in Richmond. Oh, oh, Richmond, here we go. See, there's a reason I chose huh? this. It's in Richmond, Vermont, though. But... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to crack Close this. Close enough. <laughs> Not really, but <laughs> I'm going to crack this. Uh, you can crack yours if you already haven't. As I'm pouring this out, I would love to hear about your very first. You, you mentioned that you, you've tried to like beer, but you never really got into it. But do you remember what your first beer was? Oh, God, it was probably something like Lone Star in high school. I'm from Texas, so. Yeah, Lone Star was the, the beer of choice at all the parties. Mike, I've had so many Lone Stars on tour. Uh, it's not a shameful thing. It's 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 a beer. It works. It it does what it's it's intends to do. It it gives you stuff such as you know headaches and stuff. Uh, this was yeah. like, ominously dark, sort of like moody, like like breaths, <laughs> which I like very much. Uh, black nice. Lager, six percent. Uh, I love black lagers. I think that there should be more of them. And I will try one. I'll make it a point. Yeah, roast. It's like roasty, the caramel on the nose, roasted malts, and then like a bitter, sort of tongue scraping um, bite from the, the the caramel malts on it too. Just just killer. Love it. Love it. The hoppy bite as well. Super cool. Uh, soundtrack of your youth. I would love to hear about. When you were growing up, what music your parents listened to, or what music your guardians listened to? What 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 music were was playing in the house when you were not in control of the radio? So I remember my mom listening to a lot of uh, like Depeche Mode. Enjoy enjoy the silence. I had that on repeat uh, for a while, especially like my grandmother passed. It's actually a, a song about it on the newest record. Uh, when I was like eight, and that song, I just had it on repeat. And that memory is stuck with me. My my dad used to listen to everything from Sabbath to like Almond Brothers to Queen. I remember him listening to Queen a lot. Um, a lot of uh, Genesis. Um, my dad also passed when I was pretty young, so I didn't have a lot of experience with his musical taste. But he did leave me with some uh, interesting, an interesting tape and CD collection. I think sabbath masters of reality was on tape uh that he he left and like some queen albums and yeah random stuff good stuff uh two things popped up in my mind there at that point when you're young depeche mode is uh where you were already sort of like using music as a cathartic element to help you heal sort of and it's, it's 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 such a and i have vivid memories like that when it comes to music and experiences when i was young especially sad ones uh you were already using it at that point in your life 
music as a, as a cathartic outlet, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Looking back. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting point. I haven't actually thought about that, but yeah, it makes total sense. Especially and then I also had a, remembering that song, you know, sorry, cut you off there. Yeah. No, that's just, it. that song has always stuck with me. I remember listening to it on repeat, going to like the wake and just when she passed it, that was the song. Um, but then I also loved Ace of Base and New Kids on the Block. So you know what are you going to do? Well, uh, we must be around the same age, and and it's it's, it's we have to blame the Swedes because I, I watched a documentary and and it was everything was produced in Sweden. All that, all of that, the New Kids, yeah. the 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 Ace of Base, the it's all in one room. It all came from one room. It was this documentary that just came out. It was really really fucking cool on Netflix about exactly that. I need to Second watch thing that, that popped up was. Uh, inheriting your your father's tape collection cd collection uh once he was gone and this is a heavy question i apologize was this a way that you felt that you could keep bonding with him by digging into that was it something you did using music once again as a cathartic element but also as a way to connect with your father that's no longer there yeah i think without uh, i mean i was 10 at the time i don't think i thought yeah. too much but yeah looking back i think it was definitely the case um i wore out that master masters of reality tape really uh, and then i mean that was my first intro to sabbath and like anything like that um and then the queen album i was it was like a greatest hits queen album and i listened to that a lot the almond brothers and other stuff i wasn't as much into genesis i, I mean i love old genesis so. uh phil collins or or peter uh i it's a mix it, he had he was really like into like greatest hits collection so it had yeah. a mix so that was kind of my introduction was everything up till the point of like 88 89 it's interesting that like some, this is something that hasn't translated over I guess it sort of has in playlists, but our kids aren't going to be able to experience that to go in like, and, and it's not something that we purchase anymore. Like a greatest hits. It's not something that, that record companies put out anymore. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I wonder if in record contracts back in the day, there was a greatest hit clause that if it was like another option, I'm just, I'm just thinking <laughs> label jargon here. I remember when uh, all the bands were suing suing Victory Records back in like the 2000s. I remember a lot of them got out of it by putting out greatest hits as like yeah. their, their that's fit. exactly what Cryptopsy did. Exact the best of us bleed was the, the completion of our Century Media contract. Yeah, there and, you go. and that's exactly that's exactly what we did. <laughs> Not that we were unhappy with Century Media, it just. It just sort of, we wanted to move on to other things and be independent, which we are no longer because we signed a deal with, and I can't talk about that either. Um, <laughs> well, congrats, whatever deal it is. That's awesome. Um, I'd love to hear about your first shows. Do you remember the first show that you went to go see? Um, I, I don't remember the first, but I remember some early shows. So I grew up in a East Texas town. It was not huge. There weren't a lot of shows. Moved to Austin. I was actually from Austin originally, but anyway, moved around. Moved back to Austin when I was a teenager. A lot more options for shows. Than oh, Austin. yeah. Um, I remember seeing Limp Biscuit with uh, Seven Dust and Clutch on their very first tour. And man, I don't care. Limp Biscuit put on a hell of a show. Like, dude, dude, I, I am all about the biscuit. Yeah, that was still to this day like West Borland and Fred Durst back on that first tour. Man, 
They're still good now. I, I, yeah. I, I'll say it. I've said it on the podcast before, and I'm a new metal child, so yeah, it's, it's, I'm, there's no shame. And, and they replaced Avenged Sevenfold, I want to say it is, on Heavy Montreal before the pandemic. And I was like, Limp Biscuit, what, what the fuck? You know, and, I, and they hadn't put out any music in a long time. But here they were. I'm standing in the crowd watching it with Gore from Arama, who was on the podcast like a month after that. This is before I had launched Vox and Hops. And um, it was fucking good. But they didn't play any songs. But it was fucking, it was very entertaining. <laughs> it was very, very, very entertaining. Very much so. I love that. Um, <laughs> and Seven Dust. Love Seven Dust. I saw oh, them yeah. They're early, great. early. They've never come back to Montreal. I think they only came that one time, and I might be wrong there, but it was on the tour back when they used to have the, the uh, trampolines on stage. Yeah, that was back in the day huh really cool who no one's done that probably because they twisted their ankle a hundred times <laughs> <laughs> how about your first time on stage did you talk to me about getting up on stage for your first time do you remember that memory yeah again so i was in a band at 16 it was like a new metal band never really got there but um it was called eighth ground you know it had to have a number yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> spelled out though, but people tried to H T H it, and I was like, no, no, it's spelled out. Uh, but anyway, I remember playing at this club called the Back Room in Austin. Um, I think it's like the new emos now. I don't know if you've played there. No, not in a long. No, I always play Come and Take It Live when I come through Austin. So the new emos is right next to Come and Take It Live, but that's where the Back Room used to be in that area. Um, I don't remember a lot about it. I just remember being really overwhelmed and that was kind of like my first stage experience. So, uh, but then that band actually ended up like we befriended like Slipknot back in the early days, like late nineties. Really? Yeah. Um, I mean, I haven't talked to those dudes in 20 plus years, but there was a time when I was a 17 year old, like playing, the, I think we got to open for them a, a time or two. And that really? was just That's so crazy. Cool. They were really, uh, well, I'm sure they still are. I haven't had the chance to hang with them. Uh, they were very, very personable back in the day. I remember Corey just sitting at the bar here in Montreal and many people going up and talking to him. And there's so many people that have that story of him being so open when they came through on that first tour uh, with Cole Chamber and uh, Machine Head. They were that's, opening. that's the tour I met him at. It was uh, my singer and I were in the crowd. And then this, like you know little guy with a cowboy hat behind us the cowboy like, hat the cowboy uh, hat that yeah, everyone it, talks about this cowboy hat <laughs> yeah he <laughs> he had the cowboy hat i think my singer said like oh it's hot in here and he was like you should try being on stage We're like who is this who's this guy i realized you know slipknot lanyard and everything he's like oh, i'm Corey. i seen slipknot come so cool we just started talking to him and hung out with them and then next time they came through texas i think they played in colleen like the army town near austin um, they invited us to play up there, so that was that was a crazy, crazy experience. I would imagine. So, 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 eighth ground was 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 more happening than you're making. You're sort of being like bashful of it, saying that it was it wasn't <laughs> that thing. But if you're opening for Slipknot, especially Slipknot at that level, when they were like so fucking aggressive. Not that they're not aggressive now, but back then they were fucking crazy. Yeah, they were nuts. Dude. Yeah, <laughs> it must I, have, you guys. Eighth ground must have been something. It was a. Uh, it was surreal for sure. I mean, we it was like that band that got so close and imploded. I know that happens a lot, but you know, we record like labels recording us coming to the shows, especially after the Slipknot thing. Like we had Roadrunner coming and Sony and all that. And then just our, everyone just our singer went to school for 
um, Eastern medicine wanted to be like an acupuncturist, which awesome. Um, but he just didn't want to do music anymore and everything just collapsed. So never quite got there. Yeah. That's tough. That's tough. Uh, in between eighth ground and now you must've been on a bunch of other projects though, cause it's been 20 years here. I played in a, after that I was in like an alt metal kind of Chevelle Deftones band, um, called Subcore. again, never really, that one was kind of regional. We did like a couple of work tour spots, nothing crazy. Um, then we switched names to, we were called furthest from the star. It was kind of like emo screamo, like Emery may, like all the tooth and nail stuff. Um, then we went pop punk for a minute, which is strange. And I was, I was getting older. I was like 28 at the time playing pop punk with these, you know, all the other bands we were playing with were like teenagers. 18, yeah. And I was like, I just can't, I can't do this anymore. Um, <laughs> so that band just kind of imploded because some people wanted to continue. Some people didn't. Um, the same story. We had label like tooth. We were talking to tooth and nail for a while and some other labels we were almost like every band I was in, it was like right there and then it just didn't happen. Well, it took a global pandemic to, to get you to, to do something all the way and, and get the label and be out there I'm talking about breaths, of course. Yeah, I think it's so interesting, obviously, to, to have a pandemic come. You're, you're trapped in your house. What do you do? You start writing music for yourself. Is that something you were doing already? And the pandemic just gave you more time or is it the pandemic that just sort of opened everything up for you? So I'd never sing in a band before, but I'd always wanted to. I was just a guitar player um, and I always wanted to be the singer. I was envious of that. Just never took the leap. Did some backup vocals. Um, when I moved to Richmond, I started playing with some guys and started singing. It was a very short lived band, but it kind of opened me up to doing vocals, being a front man. Um, and then I started working remotely with a friend back in Austin um, in a band called Channeler. It's no vowels. It's just C-H-N-N-L-R. Anyway, um, he was doing most of the producing. and I was just guitar tracks and vocals. would send him the stuff. He would mix it. Uh, but then when the pandemic hit, like I just had all these ideas that didn't fit with that. So I was like, I'm going to try to program drums and start producing my own music and see what happens. And then it just kind of worked out and the album was done. <laughs> I think it's incredible, and that's lined in silver you're talking about right there. You've been really busy. It's 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 impressive. I discovered you via Jerry Monk, of course, uh, the metal architect, uh, the man that basically curates what I listen to most of the time. And he sent me your record when it came out in January. The life has turned out nothing like I imagined. It is far better than I could have dreamt. That's that's the album, and I nailed it all in one breath. I'm proud of myself. Um, there's something there with this record that really spoke to me. I don't know what it is. It feels, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's very sad. <laughs> it's very, very emotional. Every song on the record is about a different trauma in my life, except for The Matriarch. That song is just kind of a, like, thanks for the support, I love you, mom kind of song. Um like the first song is about grandparents that passed. Second song is about my dad who passed. Third song is about being bullied in school when I was like in middle school. Um, God, what else is there? I don't even remember what's on that. I feel like it's been ages since I released that album. Because you've been busy. You've released two splits, I think, since then. You released another full-length, <laughs> Isolera. Just just killing it, killing it. But to dig deeper into the, the content of... Uh, 
though life has turned out nothing like I imagined, it is far better than I could have dreamt. Um, let's let's dig into the the decision to use these songs as a way to be cathartic for traumatic experiences in your life. So right after Line and Silver was done, I wrote the main riff for the Patriarch, uh, and I just it just sort of happened that the lyrics aligned with uh, losing my dad. And I just used that and said, I'm going to write about all these different, I just started pinpointing experiences in my life and said, I'm going to write about that. that. Like the way we're about the passing of my brother a fuse back. Um, and so I just wanted to, yeah, I basically built everything else around it uh, with the idea of that kind of catharsis. Is that something that you've ever done before? Is it something that you've, you've, used art as a way to explore these wounds not like this um i've never been so open and direct like like this um i think i mean there's a lot of songs online and silver um that are just about frustrations of the pandemic and life in general but nothing really super specific um like this how did you feel when you were finished is it do you think it helped you is it, is it someone that's listening to this, if they, they have some traumatic events in their life, would you suggest going there? Because I, I imagine it gets it's painful opening up a wound again. It didn't hurt. I mean, um, it didn't hurt in that sense because um, it's things that I think about regularly anyway, like my dad and brother. And it definitely, I wouldn't say it completely healed me, but it definitely helped to go through that experience, I think. Um, and I, I think it, just really made for performances because I was actually, you know, really feeling these things. And, um, I don't know. Yeah. I, it was good for me. I, I don't know if I'd recommend it for everyone. <laughs> we have to be mentally prepared to, yeah, for sure. to, to, to deal with maybe the, the outflow of emotions that are going to come from going back and looking at things you might've put away for a while. It's, it's heavy it's really heavy and that's what really spoke to me about i i enjoy the the shoegaze the black and shoegaze the the post-rock elements the the heaviness of it but it was really just just the message that really spoke to me and i don't know if it was the timing of when i listened to it but it definitely hit me it hit me enough that i i wrote you and set this up so i'm happy that we did that (laughs) yeah i was was shocked to be honest but yeah that's awesome (laughs) um digging more deeper into being a solo artist basically at this point um i love asking this question because i don't know if i could do it Uh, how do you know when it's good i don't i just know when i like it i mean i i honestly just i know everyone or not everyone i know people say like oh i just create music for me but I really do. I listen to my own music a lot. I don't know if that's pretentious or what, but when I enjoy it, I'm like, all right, it's, it's done. We're good. The mix sounds good. Master sounds good. And I don't think a lot on the song structure anymore. I used to really painstakingly like just, you know, redo song structures and tear them down and build them back up. But with breath stuff, I just kind of, whatever falls out, I go with that initial gut feeling and just run with it. If it's a 15 minute song, if it's a three minute song, like it just, if it worked when I was thinking about it and it still works, I'm not going to mess with it. I think that's awesome. And that I think that falls into why you've been releasing so much because you're not <laughs> overanalyzing it. Yeah. All right, here you go. <laughs> it's done. <No. laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like with the newest album, Isolera, like that's just, 
I was really into ambient music for a minute. I was listening to it a lot. I started experimenting with synths. I hadn't really programmed a lot of synths before. And I had some other songs that were kind of post-rocky guitar. I was like, I want to do something more instrumental that I can just kind of program on my computer and not even have to play a lot of instruments and see how it sounds. And then it just started sounding cool to me and I finished it and I was like, oh, all right. I didn't even plan to make an album right now, but I feel like it's done. It tells the story. That's amazing. I think that's amazing. Uh, when you are listening to your own stuff and you listen back to the older stuff, I know from being in a band with Christian Donaldson, who's a producer, um, he hates anything that's not brand new, basically, from himself, because he's got new gear, and it's so much better now, and he strokes his beard as he says it. Um, how do you look at your older material? And, and albeit Breaths is a very young project, so a lot of things change every month, though, you know, as a producer. So is there is there stuff that, when you listen to the older stuff, let's say, like Lined and Silver, that you wish you would have recorded differently, that you would have produced differently? Um, I think, like, especially Lined and Silver, I was very new to programming drums. And, like, I don't play drums. I understand how drums are supposed to sound, but I didn't understand how to make them super natural, or super space natural uh, sounding, you know, um, at that time. So I've gotten a lot better now, uh, with just the drum kits that I use. I like the sounds better. So I might go back and remix that album with new drums and more like natural sounding drum parts. Um, but other than that, I mean, it's a point in time for me. Like it's something I captured then and I appreciate it for what it is. You can always change and tweak things, but you know, I just want to move on to making something new instead, usually. So. How hungry are you? How hungry is you creating something? You mentioned that you weren't planning on writing a Solera, but then you did. How How is it like, do you sit down to work, or is it something that is just you do for pleasure? To write and to compose is what I'm asking. I do it for pleasure more. I don't ever have a, um, like a, a schedule. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, it's really like my nights when my wife and I are hanging out. Like if she wants to do art, she does graphic design and art and stuff. Really? So I'll do music. And then, you know, that's kind of our fun time when the kids are asleep. So that's probably why I get so much done. The best time of the day, Jason, when those kids <laughs> when go down. <laughs> I love you. I love you. Go to sleep. But <laughs> yeah, my, my son's too. And I put him down and I thought I wasn't going to get him down in time for this. I was like, I was like, please go to sleep. Please go to sleep. And he actually fell asleep like half an hour before. It was amazing. Oh, uh, see, so it was it never happened. Yeah. <laughs> we have a, a system here. My wife helps out very much to, <laughs> uh, yeah. to make sure that, but there's been times that they've, they've scurried under the table as I do this, which is funny. And I interviewed Matt Heafy, as everyone knows that I interviewed Matt Heafy with my, my son in the background playing with his trucks. And luckily, Matt Heafy's super cool, and he's got young twins of his own, so he was very cool about it. Hey, what's up, Fox and Hops heads? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right, I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. 
If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer, and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. I would also like to, Breaths, is, is this ever going to be a live band? Is that something you've ever considered, taking it to the stage, or is it something that's going to remain a cathartic um, solo experience? I tried putting together a live band about, uh, it was last summer actually, and um, it just didn't work out actually. I really enjoy creating more than I do performing. Um, I like playing lives, but, but I just, I love writing and recording and releasing and just continuing that process. So I actually pushed the guys in the band to turn it into something completely different. And new. really you're like, you, you take this project and you go do something, you go play over there. Cause I'm okay here. <laughs> well, no, I meant with, with me, like we okay. actually, I, cause I was really into like grunge and shoegaze for, I mean, I still am, but like that whole, like throwback modern grunge sound um and the other guys were too and then it ended up like two of us just kind of spun off and now we're doing a studio thing um amazing so i have another studio project called rose neath where we do like this grunge post-hardcore thing so i yeah i'm busier than just breath yeah (laughs) you're you're a very very busy man i think it's i'm I'm impressed i'm impressed uh we talked a lot about things that fall into this and i imagine music is the answer uh i've been doing a new segment on mental health and i would love to know about how you cope and what your tactics are to make yourself feel better when you're not feeling well uh how do you deal with uh, depression let's say anxiety what what are your tactics if you suffer from any of those um definitely the music helps i think just getting it out and focusing um going on walks for me helps like taking the kids on stroller walks or my dog or just getting outside um even my treadmill like just being active um talking to my wife like she uh, has her own thing so we're just very open with each other like helping each other through that and then i've done multiple different sessions or times where i've been like through counseling and especially during the pandemic i did some virtual a few different bouts of virtual counseling and things so So if you're not feeling well people you have to open up you have to reach out there is no shame and speaking to a professional if you're not feeling well or humans and we're meant to be vulnerable and it's okay and we can still be metal as hell and we can still be wickedly evil all the time but we can still need help sometimes too so i think that's really important what what if one of your friends is not feeling well and you're worried about one of your friends what is your tactic there uh, how do you reach out to people when when you you're worried about them that's a good question i think when I do know, or when I sense that my friends are going through something like that, I think it's just being there and saying, you know, like giving them a phone call, giving them a text, like just them knowing that they can come to me, even if they choose not to. Um, I try not to push, but I like to do check-ins and, you know, just I'll have like the, the guy that I do that channeler project with, like we'll have our mixing sessions where we work together, but then it's also kind of a, therapy sessions if we're going through stuff like we've been friends for 20 years so played in projects um 
So, yeah. Be there for your peeps. That's, that's, that's an, an offer. I like the, that you, you're, you offer, but there's no pushing. Cause I think when people are not feeling well, they don't want to be necessarily told what to do either. So just, just having the, the, the open door, the option, I think is important and, and to let people know that you love them. And, and that's also very metal. Nothing wrong with telling your friends you love them, hugging them. Use the black, that. Use the black heart emoji. The dark heart emoji. That's, all you <laughs> that's the only one. There's no <laughs> other ones in my phone. But, <laughs> uh, I love making beer collabs. It's my thing. I like to make other collabs too, such as teas and coffees. I've done a bunch for Cryptopsy, a bunch for Vox and Hops. Um, if you could make a collab for breaths, you're not into beer. That's okay. Uh, what What would be the perfect collab for breaths? I like the coffee idea. I love love coffee, so that'd be good. What kind of coffee would it be? What, what, what's what's your coffee of choice? Depends on the time of day, um, but I think for breasts, we need like a nice dark roast, something you know, really just hits you hard right from the beginning, but smooth. You need the smoothness, you know. Can't be too acidic. Absolutely. Uh, back to, to so you 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 don't want to take it to life. I'm back to be the live thing. Oh but, yeah, uh, yeah. Would, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I've, I, I I forgot. I didn't finish answering the question. No, 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 no. I, I, I just I, I want to dig into it a little bit more. Uh, the so you're much more content in the studio for breaths, and you encourage the people that you were going to do a live performance with to start a new project with you. But uh, what what is it about breaths that that you can't let go of, and it's just yours? Uh, well, I do. So I do. Eventually, I would like to take it live if I can find the right players. I have the guitar player that works on that Rosneath project. Like I know that he would be good for that fill in. Um, I would have to really practice if I'm going to play and sing at the same time the parts that I write because I do not write breaths music with any sort of playing and singing at the same time. Yeah, mind. yeah, which so is a maybe, completely different beast, right? Yeah. Yeah, so maybe I'd just find another two guitar players and I would sing over. Um, but it's really, I don't know a lot of musicians in Richmond. I've only been here for like four or five years. So um, just finding the right people. I would love to ultimately do like a festival spot someday. I know that's a pipe dream, but I think if I was pushed with that opportunity, I would make it happen. Yeah, you would find the, the players. Yeah, <laughs> I've always wanted to do like, um, I don't know, uh, road burn or one of those like yeah. just dream oh, festivals coolest. yeah I, I imagine so that little i've never played it but uh, that little city i love that i love tilburg very 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 much so something like that would be a dream that i would absolutely but just putting one together just to play local shows like you know i don't i don't want to put in the effort if i'm <laughs> <laughs> like i just want to keep creating at night and hanging out so i love it i love it um, I typically ask uh, how you've been filling the void of being on stage, but you haven't been on stage in a while, and you've been very busy just composing. So well, what is something else that, that keeps you busy? You're talking about walking, being with your kids. Uh, or even, uh, Let's dig into even a different question. Metal Dad, uh, how do your kids, what's their kids' perception of you as a musician? Um, well, if you listen to Lion and Silver, my daughter, when she was two, I think, actually guessed does guest vocals on a couple songs she she does one where she just like says i love you daddy but then she does some scream some screams at the end of a song called like wires <laughs> um, she was eating something like mango or something and really wanted me to try it and she just started screaming daddy eat it! and so i caught it on recording <laughs> like put some gain on it threw it on a song it's like this jazz beat 
and the bass is going. It's pretty funny. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think she's getting to the age where she's like finding her taste in music now. So she doesn't want to listen to daddy's music as much, but she used to jam out her. She's, she used to say her favorite music was death metal. So. Oh, I like yeah. that. I like that. Now, now we have to compete with Encanto, though. Encanto is oh, pretty gosh. tough to beat. My son loves Encanto too, and Vivo. Like those, t- <laughs> I know those two soundtracks like back to front. <laughs> damn you, Lin, Lin Manuel! Damn you with your catchy, catchy music, earworm music. <laughs> <laughs> those are those two soundtracks are some of the best songs in in those like kids movies I've heard in a long time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, one last question. It probably doesn't happen to you very often because you know you have young kids and you're constantly recording and writing stuff and out walking and being responsible and you're not <laughs> a craft beer enthusiast such as myself. But every once in a while, it happens to everyone. What is your hangover cure? Oh man, I feel like I drink two ciders and I have a hangover now. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, Tylenol and sleep and lots and lots of water and coffee. And then just hope, hope it goes away. <laughs> just hope. <laughs> My I hangover hope. is all headaches. It's always headaches. Like body is not really an issue, but it's just the killer headaches. Yeah. And, and we, we hope I like that. <laughs> yeah. And Jason, hope. thank you so, so much for taking the time, hanging out with me, talking about your life, talking about music, uh, talking a little bit about craft beer, but mostly about cider and about, you know, using music as a cathartic element to cope with things. I think that's amazing. Everyone, please go listen to Breaths. Um, I'm sure by the time this comes out, he's going to have released two more albums because he's a busy dude. Um, but check it out. Check it out. The one that really got me going is uh, The Life Has Turned Out Like Nothing I Imagine It. It is far better than I could have dreamt, and I suggest you guys should go check that out. Jason, thank you so, so much. This is a blast. I really, really appreciate it. Cheers to you. Yeah, thank, thanks for having me. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. I am so stoked that Jerry Monk, the metal architect, sent me that Breaths album back in January. I've been just obsessed with it, and I've been really enjoying the other music that Jason has been putting out. Very creative dude. I love how he uses music as a cathartic release. I think that's very inspiring, and I hope that some of you might actually do that now when you're feeling down in the dumps. Pick up a guitar, get on the piano, do something creative. Put all of that negative energy into something creative. Trust me, you'll feel better after doing something such as that. Massive cheers to Jason. Cannot wait to see what you got coming up next. I'm a fan and I'm stoked. Now, if you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast's mailing list. You can do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. When you do that, you shall receive two emails a month that contain all of the details of everything that has been happening recently in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. You'll get to see which episodes I dropped recently. You'll get to see which episodes I have coming up. You will get to see which albums the Vox and Hops album review crew have reviewed recently. You will also get to hear about any projects that I have in the work such as the very top secret four-year anniversary of the podcast before I announce them to the public. And you'll get to see which albums Jerry Monk, the metal architect himself, has added to the Brutal Awakenings playlist. There is just so much going on in the world of the Vox and Hospital podcast. I don't want you to miss a single thing, so please sign up to the mailing list. The Vox and Hospital podcast is brought to you by Sound, Talent, Media, and Evergreen Podcasts. I hope you have a killer rest of the week. I will be back next Tuesday with another heavy money. Montreal presents Vox and Hops episode, but until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads.
This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday.